Hey, John Lim here. We're moving forward with episode 306. Let's go ahead and jump right in. And uh, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. And I just want to give you a little background of what moving forward is. So if you go back to some of the earlier episodes, I launched this podcast in 2015. The first 200 episodes or so were focused on interviews. So it used to be an interview podcast where I interviewed entrepreneurs, thought leaders, artists, and different people from different backgrounds from all walks of life and different parts of the world. It was a lot of fun. Last year, uh, starting with episode 202, I shifted the focus. It's now more of a solo podcast. Last year, I did mini-series, so collections of episodes talking about different projects. This year, I'm more sharing weekly thoughts. I'm dividing it between more of a just kind of a thought journal, and I am inviting specific guests on as well, people that I know very well that I want to update on. I had a couple of great conversations. It's not I'm not opening up the floodgates to uh, interview guests, but I am uh, curating a few individuals that I've had some great conversations with, including, and I recommend, check out Uh, The last episodes that I've done uh, towards the end of August, 302 to 305, I had a great conversation with Peter Vonosak. I recommend check out those episodes and his story. He works as a mail carrier during the day, which is very challenging in these times. But during his off hours in the evenings and on weekends, he is a very prolific content creator around Cobra Kai, which is by now, you probably know Cobra Kai. It's a fantastic series, and uh, we're going to start with that update. So this episode today is just going to be September updates. I'm going to give you uh, updates on a couple of areas, but I'm going to start with Cobra Kai. Phenomenal. Uh, I've been talking about Cobra Kai since day one. I guess you can call me an OG fan. It debuted on YouTube Premium in 2018. I wrote uh, an article about it. It's actually my most read article to date on LinkedIn. And it is the best way I could describe it. It is a fantastic show that not enough people are watching. You could call it a niche uh, hit or you could call it an obscure hit, but that is no longer the case. Uh, As of Friday, Cobra Kai made its move from YouTube to Netflix, uh, a much bigger platform, a global platform, and Cobra Kai, not surprisingly, has taken Netflix by storm. And if you've Take a look at the trends on Twitter. It has uh, pretty much blown up and is now, uh, as of the recording of this episode, not only the number one show in the U.S. on Netflix, but globally. And it's interesting just to see that. And it actually reminded me of um, Angelo Spinello's book. He's an author. He's a good friend of mine that I've had on a couple of episodes where uh, he wrote a book called I Am a Professional Metalhead. And it's about his journey as a heavy metal musician and fan. And he talks about this concept called escalating metal swing, where in the beginning, someone might become a fan. So he talks about when he was in high school, he would become a fan of an up and coming, not yet, uh, you know, globally recognized band or a genre of music. At some point, if that genre takes off and becomes really in the zeitgeist, as they say, then there's a there's kind of a, a a parabolic swing that goes with it. So it's a different phenomenon. I feel like Cobra Kai is the same way. 
I got into the show back when it was just on YouTube Premium, and it had a really, really hardcore following and fan base. But now that it's on Netflix, I mean, seriously, people are talking about it and continue to do so, and there have been some phenomenal posts and tweets about it. So uh, check out my conversation with Peter, 302 to 305, and definitely, if you're a Netflix subscriber, check out Cobra Kai. Yeah, I've had people texting me saying that they're hooked on it and just everyone's now chomping at the bit and it's exciting because the first two seasons you can binge and then season three will come out in 2021 so my congratulations to everyone who works on the show and again listen to my conversations with peter if you want to learn more about his journey as a content creator revolved around cobra kai it's really exciting okay i wanted to give a brief update on one of the projects that i'm working on currently And if you've been following the podcast for a while, you'll know that last year I did a mini-series, a collection of episodes talking about Poshmark and specifically how to get started, what are the different steps, but also sharing how we, meaning my dad and I, my dad has a small brick-and-mortar retail business, how we've leveraged it as an online sales solution, especially during these difficult times. And through that series, I created a series of blog posts I've written some LinkedIn articles, and over the past year or so, I've been compiling a lot of that information into a manuscript, so building upon that series, really, really fleshing it out, and where I am right now is that uh, I've been working with a great editor. She's done uh, several passes on the manuscript, so now I'm looking towards getting it to a publisher. We're getting the book published, and obviously, that means weighing self-publishing versus traditional publishing. And there are many pros and cons when you're looking at whether to pursue traditional versus self-publishing. Each one has its pluses and minuses, and I won't hash them all out today. But one of the challenges with self-publishing is getting your book in as many outlets as possible beyond simply, say, Amazon.com. And getting it into a brick-and-mortar store, let's say like a Target or a Barnes & Noble, or uh, any number of uh, brick-and-mortar bookstores, that's a significant challenge. And one of the reasons why I'm pursuing traditional publishing is because it is much easier to get your books into those outlets in addition to getting it online. So what does that entail? I, I may talk a little more about this on a future episode, but really it starts with research, researching the landscape of publishers, but also more looking at literary agents. So Most publishers will not look at a book proposal or a book pitch unless you are represented by an agent. So a lot of this is researching literary agents that specialize in nonfiction business books. And I've been sending out what are called query letters or letters of introduction, which are basically one-page pitch letters. And I may talk about this more on a future episode. So where I am right now, I've been working with a great editor And I've been sending out a lot of query letters to agents. And a lot of this is waiting. A lot of this is rejection. And uh, it's it's a long game process. You have to have a lot of patience for this. Uh, And I'll share a little bit of why I've decided to pursue traditional publishing. And taking a page out of Cobra Kai's book and tying it back to what I talked about earlier with that show's success, it started as a breakout show on YouTube which is a much smaller streaming platform. It is now graduated to Netflix, where it has a much bigger audience. It's become a global phenomenon. And having that platform can make a big difference. If the content resonates, 
having the right platform can make things that much easier in terms of getting your content to the right audience. And I liken it to this particular uh, process in which I think this book has a an important message, but also a, a target demographic that really needs this information, small businesses. And traditional publishing is still the most effective way to get your book into as many outlets as possible. So that's what I'm doing right now. I'm exploring it. Obviously, if that doesn't pan out, I can always self-publish this book, and I may very well do so if things don't pan out with a traditional publisher. All right, Poshmark. Speaking of Poshmark, I am continuing to work with my dad pretty much every day, uh, and we're really ramping up, and Poshmark has, has been not only an important extension of his business, but really a lifeline during this pandemic so that he can adapt. And we're really focusing more on the online portion of the business. So a couple of things, I have an entire series on this. If you want to learn about starting a business on Poshmark, check out the mini series where I break down all the steps, getting started, strategies for negotiation, marketing, sales, taking great photos. Poshmark uh, has released a couple of great features. And one I want to highlight is live video. It's it's really a feature that I have just started using, and I think it's a great, great way to promote your business. So live video, I mean, video stories, something that you already see on Instagram. You see it on a lot of different platforms. Uh, and what Poshmark has done is they've taken the, that kind of feature and integrated it into their platform where you can actually create a video, whether it's promoting a, um, a specific item. You can use photos of uh, particular items or listings to create a, a kind of a slideshow video, or you can create a live video. Just film. I filmed a 30 second promo video using my phone and then uploaded it onto Poshmark and then added a little narration. What's cool about it is it automatically adds links to your store. You can add a link to a specific listing. You can add text. I think this is a great game changer. Again, I talk a lot about in the miniseries how Poshmark really stands out as a platform if you're specifically selling clothes and now they're into home goods. But these are the features. These are the kind of features that really distinguish it from selling it, say, on Amazon or Shopify or other platforms. I think Poshmark is really ahead of the curve. And so I'm excited that this feature, they're continually investing in R&D. And I think it's really, really just going to help make retailers who are going online, if they're using Poshmark, it's just going to make that transition that much easier. On the downside, uh, we've been experiencing with some of the shipments delays with uh, the post office, and that's just kind of the landscape right now with the U.S. post office. One of the things that I admire about Peter uh, Vonasak, who I talked about earlier, is that his day job, he works so hard right now in making sure that people are getting the mail, which includes a lot of packages. But the situation with the post office right now is really, really difficult, especially with, I mean, and I won't get too much into the politics, but, you know, if you follow any of the news, you know what's going on. But we've experienced it with our shipments, uh, some of the shipments that we've sent out, which typically take two to three days, sometimes will take a week, even two weeks or longer. And so we've been managing that. And the key is really communicating with your customers, being transparent, letting them know that, hey, we haven't forgotten about you and keeping track of those packages and letting them know and just 
say, we, you know, we appreciate your understanding. If you're interested in learning more about Poshmark, I recommend you check out the mini series, which is at bemovingforward.com. So today was just an update. I just wanted to cover a couple of things. We're into September now. I, it's really hard to believe. Uh, I will be providing more updates and who knows, I may have a couple more guests on uh, the remainder of this year as well. We'll see how that goes. The write-up for today's episode is also at bemovingforward.com. Have a great week, and I'll be back next week.